Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Those of you who don't know me, I'm part of the team here at Bridge City Church. Now, I know it's kids, I always forget to announce kids' church, don't I? I always do that, Andrew, without fail. But it's not on today. I knew that. But if you're under 16 and you're going to sit through the sermon this morning, you can have a Mars bar. So, Melanie, do you want to come and grab them and give them to anyone who's under 16? Make sure they're honest. Make sure they're honest. Make sure they're honest. I'll watch him. Doesn't it, it feel like you're 16? You've got to be 16 or under 16. Awesome. That's, Elaine wants one. No, you can't. Uh, let's just play as we begin. Father God, I just come so thankful uh, for the privilege of being here today. Lord, we just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I promised every time I come to try and share a little bit more about my own life. Last time I talked about my football career, remember that? I talked about my short but and illustrious thank you. There for later. Let's just pay attention, everybody, pay attention. Um, football, it's all about my football career. So, but this morning, you've got a real privilege because I've got the honour of having my mum and dad sitting right here in the middle of the church. So that's about a... They're a great part of my heritage, so they're, we're actually going today to celebrate their 60th wedding anniversary. Um, so, yeah, so that's right. So we, um, and I honour them both for um, what they've brought into my life, the idea of the, the fruit of the Spirit that you talk about. Um, they've really um, lived that out and shown that as an example to me and our family, so we're grateful for that, Mum and Dad, thank you. So that's a little bit about me. Okay, this morning, I've got a picture to show you. Can anybody tell me who that is? <laughs> Raggedly handsome. No, it's not me. No. His name is... It's on the bottle. <laughs> His name is Stuart Diver. Is there any clues about Stuart Diver? Anybody remind me about Stuart Diver? Stuart Diver. Let's tell you, I'll tell you that those, anyone who is under 30 may struggle, but anyone over 30 would remember. So Stuart Diver was a ski instructor who was operating in Threadbow back in 1997. And on the, I think it's about the 3rd of July, a massive landslide collapsed the two chalets, which there was apparently a leak. There was a long-term leak in the system, in the water system, which caused the entirety of those two chalets to collapse and slide down the mountainside. And 19 people were trapped in that rubble, including Stuart and his wife. So for 65 hours, Stuart laid under that massive rubble until he was rescued. And he was the only one that was rescued, so his wife passed away. How long is 65 hours? Two and a half days, a little over two and a half days, he laid there in freezing 
wet conditions. As I said, he was a sole survivor of those 19 people. And this is a quote that's written up there. This is what he said when he spoke to the media afterwards. He said this, You have to work out what you're actually going to live for. You have to have that clear in your mind and that's what drives you forward. It's really interesting. And as far as I know, he's not a person of faith, so it's a really interesting statement that he made there. And I guess the question I want to ask you this morning as we begin this discussion is this. What would your statement have been in that situation? What would your statement have been in that situation? What would your declaration be in that defining moment? And this morning I wanted to dive into the book of Daniel. And um, for those of you familiar with that book and talk about uh, the story which we're familiar with if we've been to Sunday school, the story of the three boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, going into the furnace. So I want to spend some time and use that as a bit of a parallel to allow us to see um, the the journey of of going through some of those challenging and defining moments, what we can learn from that, what we can reflect on that. So those boys were really the victims of a colonisation plan. If you look in that first book of Daniel, they were... um, The Babylonians besieged Jerusalem, took over the place, and their method of colonising and taking over was to pluck out the very best, the the prime of the people out of of that that community and bring them back to Babylon and indoctrinate them into their way of thinking. The cream of the crop, the leaders, the educated, the artisans, the creative people, and planting them back into their community. So I would have stayed behind. They wouldn't have taken me. They were taking all the musicians up the front here. That was awesome this morning, guys. That was just incredible. Thank you for that. So what they did is they took out a generation from that community. They just plucked it out and took it away. And we understand as people of faith in, in any situation that we miss a generation at our peril. If we, haven't, we can miss a generation. So that's, that's a real way of damaging of a, of, a, of, a, of a society, to take away that crop. And as we would understand, uh, this also tell us that those young four young men were around 14 years of age when they were taken. They weren't, you know, they weren't mature adults, they were only 14 years of age. Again, young men of noble birth, the cream of the crop. And what were they faced up to? If we read through that first part of Daniel, they were, they were set up and uh, assigned to three years of training, three years of essentially of indoctrination into the ways of the Babylonian people. That's what they were signed up for. And then there's talk there where they were taken in by the unit to be cared for. And really, essentially, to change the way they think, to change the way that they, their identity of how they saw themselves. Four boys' names were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Is that right? I think so. And I'm not a scholar. I haven't gone through and studied them. I should have. When you go home, that's your homework to go back and look at the Hebrew meaning of those three names. But my understanding is they were four God-honouring names. They honoured the name of God in, in that place, in that, those names. Then they were transferred, their names, their names were changed from that to Belthazar, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And those names honoured the gods of the Babylonians or, and whoever other... Babylonians were pretty keen, they were happy to bring in whatever god they could bring in if they thought they were going to help their cause. They are happy to have them on their team. So they, those names honoured those gods, those small g gods of the, of the Babylonians. Brainwashing. All God-honouring names change into those names that honour those gods. And we understand that names are important, don't we? Here's another question for you. Does anybody remember a man by the name of Frank Zappa? I'm I'm a lot older than I look. You've got to remember that. I'm a lot older than I look. 
Frank Zappa, you wouldn't know Jet. Well, he was a musician. Frank Zappa was a musician back in the early 70s, I believe. And he had three children. The first child he had, first child he, had he, he named, it was a girl, he named her Moon Unit. Moon Unit. The second uh, child was called Diva Muffin. And then his long-awaited son, his name was Dweezel. Dweezel. There's power in the name. There's power in the name. We paralyze. We understand that what we call ourselves, what we, what the names we wear, are important. And um, obviously, Frank Zappa didn't realize that when he named his children. Um, so get Daniel. Daniel. What is the meaning of Daniel? Do we know that name of Daniel? God is what well done. Correct. That's what I've got on my notes. Excellent. Um, what else we got? Douglas. Doug. Well, I think it is. It says dark water, but I think it means deep. I mean, I think it means that, that, that there's, there's a deep, deep, yeah, there's deepness in you that, that carries through that. Paul means little or humble. Um, Bruce. Bruce means from the willow lands, apparently. From the willow lands, Bruce means. Trevor, this means from the large homestead. Is that right? From the large homestead or large settlement. It's interesting, we did, I shared a similar message back in Lamaroo. And we had a man in our church called Lou, and he's, his, uh, Lou means famous warrior, and he spent most of his life in the armed services. So that's really interesting. It was just an interesting aside that we saw in that. But this, yeah. So the names have a really important meaning, and that the Babylonians and, and the, the outside world that we live in, we, God's placed a name and a destiny in our hearts and our lives, and the world outside would have us change our name. They would have us think of ourselves differently, to think of it the way, that, not look at us as the way that God looks at us, but to begin to try and impute and place on their idea of who you are. Be aware of that. Don't let the Babylonians change your name. Don't let the Babylonians change your name. Yeah, it's just really symbolic of that materialistic, put my teeth back in, materialistic, self-focused and wealth-driven culture that has existed back then and exists now. Um, the ancient Greek culture celebrated for its celebrates for its sophistication and its advancement, promoted perfection and rejected anything that showed a weakness or a perceived defect. We contrast that with the culture, our culture, the culture that we live with, understand in church, is that all people have infinite value, infinite purpose. And um, the fact that the Roman Empire chose to cultivate the Christian church was the fact that they were, that the, 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 the Christians were the people who were there when the crisis came. When challenges came, when there was a conflict or a war or, a, or sickness, the Christians were the last people there serving and caring for the people that are in that place. That's our culture. That's what we promote. That's what we believe. But it's getting our current culture, the Babylonian values persist. Even so, more so, is becoming all about me. Isn't it? The journey that we're on now, it's about our own self. It's about our own picture. If we read through that scripture back about King Nebuchadnezzar, if we go back to that as a bit of a snapshot, for those of you who are not familiar with that story, he had a dream about a, a, a large statue and Daniel interpreted that dream and he would explain to him that it was about the various kingdoms that were to come after him. And what did he do to, in response to that? He built himself a 90-foot gold statue of himself thumbed his nose at the living God, said, I'm, this is me, I'm going to stay, I'm going to be here forever. As far as he was concerned, he was just going to be here forever. He saw himself as a God. 
Self-focus, focused on their own life. And the world we live in does that. Deliberately and systematically undermines our identity. Are we male or female? What's politically correct? We discard those who are past the use-by date, people who are no use to us, we seek to leave behind. Discouraged from speaking the truth while being offended at the smallest trifle. Yeah, again, we have a God-given identity. I want to encourage you again, reinforce that point. We have a God-given identity and it's the enemy's purpose to have us step away from that, to steal, kill and destroy our identity in Jesus this morning. Don't let the Babylonians steal your name. Those boys rose again from prominence, in the, continued to rise from prominence in the king's court despite the fact that their names were changed. They continued to do that. They continued to stand apart. We're familiar with where they chose not to eat the king's delicacies, didn't they? They chose to step away from that, to stay in their own line, stay in their own lane, to, to build themselves up in the most holy faith, to stay true to their name, to stay true to their one and only God. Let's read the scripture before we run out of time. So this is reading um, Daniel chapter 3 from verses, I think it's 16 to 28, Daniel, is that right? Yeah, well done. <coughs> Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, oh, so let's build, set this scene up. So they, the, 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 the um, gold statue was built when the minstrels played, everyone was meant to bow down to the, to the golden statue. The boys chose not to. They said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to bow down to you. We only bow down to the living God. So the, the boys are going to go in the fire. The boys are going to get chucked in the fire. Let's read on from what that says. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. For if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the God, gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego excuse me, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisers, "'Didn't we tie up three men and now throw them into the furnace?' Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the fire, the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire then the high officers, officials, governors and advisers crowded around them and saw that their fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They did not even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent this angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. 
They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except for their own god. So that's a big lump of scripture, but it's a, it's a great story. And I love the stories that we were taught in Sunday school. For those who went to Sunday school, they, they, are, they hold a great truth in that, that to, to protecting power of God in that place. But there's so much more in each of those stories, and I love things when things happen. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what that looks for for us. I see three stages in that journey of those guys, three stages. I want to talk to you about those three stages and how that relates to us as we do the journey of life today. First stage is going into the fires. The boys say as they're going to the fire, we do not need to defend yourselves before you. What a great statement that is, a faith statement. Despite the circumstances, they didn't recognise King Nebuchadnezzar over the top of the king of kings. They continue to acknowledge the king of kings. They knew the power of might of King of King Nebuchadnezzar was of no consequence compared to the King of Kings, the one true God. No physical armor protection. They had no physical armor protection at that point, did they? And the guards found that out because they got <laughs> they were killed by the fire. Killed by the fire. What will protect us? We're not physically protected. What will protect us? We understand the, the full armour of God, guys, and we'll preach on that another day maybe, but um, that's a great picture for us. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit of God, which is the living word. They're, they're the things that will protect us as we've done that. And that scripture goes on to say, having done all, we stand firm. We stand firm. We stand our ground. We hold our place. The other thing I want to share about that, in, just in times of peace that we prepare for war. That's a great statement that someone made to me once, which really has resonated all through my journey, that in times of peace that we prepare for war. The things that we do now when things are relatively calm in our life will stand us in good stead in that next moment. The patterns and processes, the frameworks that we build in our physical and emotional and spiritual lives will, will determine, will play a big role in determining how we deal with those moments when we're in the fire, when we get that point thrown in the fire. Yeah. Those, yeah, God is always with us. We know that. We can call upon his miraculous power, but those habits we build into our lives will continue to, to stand us in good stead and build a place that he can care for and minister to us. Um, has anybody heard of the uh, guy called Angus Buchan? You have, yeah, Angus Buchan. So Ang Angus Buchan is a South African farmer, radically saved, uh, a man of faith, who pushed on with um, farming and also evangelising throughout the South Africa. And he's, he's uh, what's the, I've forgotten the name of the conference he used to hold. He had a huge conference in South Africa which used to attract forty or 50,000 farmers together to, to come together and worship God. It was a powerful thing to be a part of. Anyway, so Angus, Angus tells a story in his book, Faith Like Potatoes, about a moment when a tragedy struck in his household. He was a part of an accident where his nephew was killed in an accident, killed in an accident, um, and um, he speaks at that point of um, coming. He was a, he's a person who gets he was a, a, a man of faith who got up early in the morning. Who gets up early in the morning and prays? Not me, but some do. Some. <laughs> he was a man who that was his that was his that was his that was his habit to get up early in the morning, go to his prayer closet, and pray every morning. So when this tragedy happened. He describes the fact that he used to run. He would, be, he would run to his prayer closet, run to the place, his appointed place to pray, 
because of that was his pattern, that was his use, and that was his blessed sanctuary that he found in that. So in those moments of the fire, when the things come that, that really challenge us, those things we put in place in those times of peace will allow us, will, pl- will give us that blessed relief as we face those challenges. Be encouraged in that. Because if we're in the midst of that fire, if, if this morning as we come here you're in the midst of a challenge and a real fire, you're probably not hearing this, you're not hearing what I'm saying to you. Um, you're just on autopilot. You are relying on those things that you've put in place prior to coming to that point of, of being challenged. You're in that. It talks also, people talk about that, that fog of war, those moments when we're in the midst of a battle. We don't know who's winning or who's losing. We just know we're in a battle. We just know that sometimes and we need to, do, we need to be relying on that. What did the three boys go on to say? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Even if he doesn't, we will never serve your gods. These boys had an eternal perspective. They spoke words of faith into that situation. They knew their destiny. They knew their path. They knew where they were going. They knew that whatever happens, it was not the end of the road. If they bowed to the idol, maybe their path was not going to be so certain. If they'd chosen to um, kneel down in front of that gold statue, maybe that was a different path for them. So these boys were immediately bound by the strongest men in the kingdom. The scripture says they were bound up by the strongest, ready to be thrown into the fire. How often does that happen? When we make a declaration of faith or make a stand that the strong man seeks to bind us, it seeks to, to, to hold us back from the things that we've spoken out into our worlds. Why begin? He's come to steal, kill and destroy. And he's infuriated by words of faith. He's infuriated by us speaking words of faith into the situation we find ourselves. We make a move into something different and the heat comes on. The heat turns up, doesn't it? The heat begins to, to come onto us. Stage one, the second stage, in the fire. The boys are in the fire, bound and tossed into the fire. So often we don't find it, we really don't feel like we've got any power in choosing our path. And we're in that plate, we're in that fire, really not, we're in it. We don't have that opportunity to, to do anything about that. Seven times hotter. That's a great picture. Such was the enemy's anger to turn it up, dial up to 11. And there's, uh, there's lots of work, there's, there's people who would be able to better preachers and better theologians than me that would be able to talk about the significance of the number seven. And it's a number, the number of completion, God's number. People talk about it being God's number. So it's interesting. That's another story for another day. But there is freedom in the fire. Again, it, the irony in that is that the ropes used by the strong men to bind those young men burned off in the fire. They burned off in the fire. In those moments, all the price tags change. Things which seeks to hold us are burned away, have become, seek to have their power over us. The things that seek to hold us lose their potency in those moments of the fire. Think of Job, who at that fire moment fell down and worshipped God, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you testify to those moments when a fire freed you of something the enemy sought to hold you with? Let's just read that again. Can you testify to those moments when a fire freed you from something that the enemy sought to hold you with? (sighs) 
What do we see in the fire? The scripture says, I see four men unbound, walking around the fire, unarmed, un- un- unarmed. <laughs> unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. The fourth man. And there's been plenty of messages shared on this, the fourth man. That God is in us with, with us in the fire. We understand that to be the case. And that's where we started today. John's, John, John's gospel reminds us he was there at the beginning. As he writes in Revelation, he reminds us that Jesus is there at the end as well. He's, he's with us all the way through. There's no point where he, he has a roster day off. He's there with us. Not a lot of... Anyway. <laughs> Some people. He's with us. He'll be there. He'll be with us at the end. In Isaiah 43, it says this. It's a beautiful scripture. It says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the word, Lord, who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I and the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Stage three, coming out of the fire. Coming out of the fire. So we've gone in, prepared, coming out. Scripture records that they came out without even the smell of the smoke on their clothes. No residue, not even being singed by the flames. And things would change for you because people will know that you have been with Jesus in those moments. When it comes through those difficult moments, people will know that you've been with Jesus. They'll sense that. They won't smell the smoke, they'll smell the fragrance of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords upon you as you come out of that. And this account of Daniel was not, it's not the only occasion when God's people find themselves in the fire, is it? At any point. It's not, it's a, it's not an isolated occurrence. For any, we, are, we can all testify those moments of being in the fire. God in his sovereign power saw his own people, the nation of Israel, oppressed and carried into captivity by, by the um, Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks and eventually the Romans. Our beloved Jesus is also the pattern. God's own son taken through the fire of the cross. We talked about that, the fire of the cross. Um, and even more challenging, the the, the, the the fire of the challenge of separation from his beloved father. Disconnection. So we see those stories of the fire, but we, and I believe that God seeks in those moments to seek a faithful remnant, some people who will stay, stay with them, stay, stay on the path, stay with us. And they're the people, can I tell you, they're the people that I want to hang around with. They're the people that I want to spend time with. I want them to speak into my life. The people that have been through the fire, that have been through those challenges, that can tell me about the goodness of God. People who can, I can pattern my life on, I can, I can look at them and say, this is the way they've lived their life. How can I make my life the same pattern? They're the people who have contended with God and come through that and have been found to be sound. They have been chosen um, scripture in Matthew that says many are called but few are chosen and again there's a whole another message in there which we won't delve into today but that really encapsulates that picture for us of being chosen not because of their talent or their wisdom or their um, circumstances none, none of that that doesn't count at that point no order smoke just a fragrance of the king of kings the scripture records that their influence and stature 
for the, those boys only increased. They were promoted as they came out of that fire. They went on to, to bigger and better things. And I guess there's a price to pay for promotion. How about that? To go from being called to being chosen. There's a price to pay and that is some time in the fire. What am I trying to say? Let's summarise this. Let's get, just tie this all together before we get lost. First thing is, don't let the Babylonians change your name. Do not let the Babylonians change your name. God's placed a, a name on you at a destiny for each and every one of you. Don't be distracted by what the world will tell you. Don't do it. Second thing is, there's three... We're always in one of these three stages we, as we do life together. We can't avoid the fact that there's three places we're going to find ourselves as we do this journey of life. The first one is we'll be coming into the fire. Again, I want to encourage you that it's in times of peace that we prepare for war. In those moments as we come in, prepare, prepare, prepare. Delight in the living God. Delight in each other. Connect with the community of faith. Build yourself up. In the fire. When we're in the fire, he is with us. The fourth man, the commander of the armies of the Lord is with you, he's in you, he's on you as you do that journey. Be encouraged in that. And as you come out of that fire, as you come out of that, that, that moment, when you come out, everyone, and I mean everyone, not just the people of faith, everyone in the world will know that you've been with Jesus. You'll know. And again, the reality is that we're always on, somewhere on that continuum, we're always somewhere on that place. But I'll leave you with this great scripture out of Zephaniah, which for me, is a great comfort and um, it's a real balm for my soul. Let me share it with you this morning. The Lord your God is amongst you. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with singing. Friends, throughout the word of God, from the beginning to the end, through the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's full of redemption. It's a story of redemption and forgiveness. In every page, God's love and his preparedness to forgive and receive us again is in that book. Um, he is mighty to save. And I love that picture where it says he rejoices over you. He sings over us. And I can't get the picture of my daughter singing over her, her fresh her newborn baby recently. I watched her sing over that little boy, that little girl. And... Um, that just for me, is a, I'm a pictures person. It's a great picture that I want to leave in your mind of, of Father God singing over each and every one of you, of caring for you, and uh, that message of restoration and reconciliation and transformation this morning. So be encouraged in that. I hope you're encouraged. Are we encouraged? Yes. Fantastic. There's some chunky stuff in there too. It is challenging. I understand that. But to seek out those people who have been through the fight, find them and stand next to them. Rub up next to them and find out what they can, you can be imparted into your life. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.